1961, <clears throat> uh, John F. Kennedy was sworn in as the 35th President of the United States. And as part of his opening address to the American people, he shared these historic words. He said, Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. His inaugural address, it inspired children and adults to see the importance of civic action and, and public service and challenged every American, really, to contribute in some way to the public good. So for the sake of the recording, good morning. My name is Paul. I have the privilege of leading the team that sees, oversees New Life Community Church. And we're continuing our series looking at what it is to be devoted disciples of Jesus. And we've already looked at what it is to be devoted to the Word and to prayer and to relationship. Today, we're going to be looking at what it is to be devoted to service. And our goal for this series really is to help every individual believer grow into a greater maturity in their relationship with Jesus. We want to be a church family who is deeply rooted and standing firm in the goodness of God. Amen? That when storms of life come, we're not swayed to the left or to the right, nor uprooted because we're a church family that is firmly secure in Jesus. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to turn to Genesis chapter 41. Genesis chapter 41, and we're going to read through from verses 38 through to 46, first part of 46. And Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find a man like this in whom is the Spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has shown you all this, there is none so discerning and wise as you are. You shall be over my house, and all my people shall order themselves as you command. Only as regards, to the, th only, only as regards the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his hand and put it on Joseph's hand and clothed him in garments of fine linen and put a gold chain about his neck. And he made him ride in his second chariot. And they called out before him, Bow the knee. Thus he set him over all the land of Egypt. Moreover, Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without your consent, no one shall lift up hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh called Joseph's name Zephanah Paneah. And he gave him in marriage to Aseneth, the daughter of Potipharah, priest of On. So Joseph went out over the land of Egypt. Joseph was 30 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Father, we just thank you for your word. We pray that it will do us good. It is God-breathed and is living and active to get right to the heart of what's going on in our lives. Well, Lord, we want to just really set our sights on being ready to receive your word and be transformed by your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. I, I love the story of Joseph. 
You know, it is a, uh, both a precious and powerful account of a man who pretty much lived a lifetime of service to God in challenging circumstances. And so today we're going to dip into his story to help us navigate this particular question. Why service? What is it about service that matters to God? If we can catch a glimpse of that through the story of Joseph, it might help us understand why service should matter to all of us who are desiring to be devoted disciples of Jesus. So hopefully through Joseph's story and a few other scriptures, we will address that question of why service. Discover together that service shows character, it grows character, and it imitates character. It does something for you, but it also blesses and builds up others. And then finally, we're going to look at how service is pleasing to God, like a um, sweet aroma that rises to his throne. So to give you a little bit of context about Joseph, he was one of 12 brothers, and at 17 years old, he has a couple of dreams that basically show his whole family bowing down to him. And Joseph shares this with his family, and it particularly um, cheeses off his brothers, who end up selling him to some traders who are passing by en route to Egypt. And that's here, really, that the story of Joseph really kicks off. God had a great purpose for this young man. But that purpose was going to be outworked through service. And this is where we meet head-on with our first point. Service shows character. If you want to see where someone's heart is at, give them something to do. Give them something to do. You remember that scene from the film uh, Karate Kid? I'm talking now to the guys who are raging in the 80s, here we go, when Mr. Miyagi gets his student Daniel to do a load of household chores. Wax on, wax off, sand the floor, paint the fence. And Daniel, he's quick to get frustrated, to get annoyed, because he's wondering, what the heck has all this got to do with karate? But what he doesn't see at the time is that Mr. Miyagi is preparing him. Now, of course, in giving someone something to do, it's not going to reveal the whole picture regarding regarding an individual, but it will indicate something. You know, for example, if the student does what the teacher asks, it shows a level of trust. If the student does, does it without complaining, it shows a level of respect. And if the student does it without seeking praise, it shows a level of humility. Joseph, his first real test is uh, set within an Egyptian house that belonged to a man called Potiphar. And Potiphar was an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard. And so this was a military man, for those who understand military background, who probably had high expectations when it came to the operations of his home. Considering Joseph was a foreigner and probably had very little experience when it came to understanding the culture of how things should be done, the scripture says that the Lord was with Joseph and he became a successful man. Potiphar promoted Joseph and made him overseer of his house. 
He was in charge of everything that he had. Now, the circumstances Joseph was in, it was not something Joseph had dreamed of. So whilst he, he dreamed his family bowing down to him, he didn't dream about being in a slave-servant-type context in an Egyptian home. It probably wasn't where he wanted to be in life. But God had placed him there for purpose, and Joseph showed character that proved a level of trust, a level of respect, and a level of humility. God, he's concerned with your character. Matthew 23, 12, Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. If you take the fruits of the Spirit from Galatians 5, one of the primary ways that God measures your walk with him is the good character that overflows from your relationship with him. Character that is displayed even in circumstances you are frustrated by. Circumstances that don't feel that they're a good fit for you. Be mindful, I want to say, that these might just be your wax-on, wax-off moments your Potiphar house moments, moments where God is preparing you for good purpose. So service shows character. If you want to see where someone's heart is at, give them something to do. It's, it's like getting a light into some dark areas, you know, or like having an MRI. You know, it reveals what's potentially hidden underneath the surface. How that person deals with that something that they do may give you cause for encouragement, it may also give you cause for concern. <laughs> and this can be helpful revelation regarding that individual, not just for you, but for them as, themselves as well. Which hopefully leads to our next point. Service grows character. Character is like a muscle on your body. Good, good nutrition and training will see it grow in strength. Those character traits of love, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control, these fruits of the Spirit, by the very nature of what they're called, they take time to develop. Fruit takes time to grow, requires the nutrients of the sun and its surrounding environment. If you remove the training and the nutrition, muscles can atrophy. They can weaken. In a similar way, without the right environment, fruit will not grow and ripen. <laughs> How would you feel at the age of 17, you're sold off to slavery by your siblings, your parents believed you to be dead, and you are now living in a foreign land? It's interesting that despite all of this, God grants Joseph extraordinary success serving and overseeing a military home, officer's home. However, even within that context, the officer's wife, day by day, tries to seduce him. And Joseph refuses, looking to honor God and his employer. However, she frames him. He ends up in prison, and this becomes his next environment of service. And if you like drama, this story's got a really good dose of it. Again, God grants him success and favor, despite him being in pretty dire circumstances. As a prisoner, he... Um, he gets put in charge of all the other prisoners. The jailer basically puts up his feet and relaxes because he trusts Joseph's service. God's favor is with this guy. To which then he is invited to an audience with Pharaoh. 
the most powerful man in Egypt and surrounding lands. Again, he has an opportunity to serve him. And in return, what does Pharaoh do? He elevates Joseph, this foreign slave, to have the greatest measure of authority across the land next to him at the tender age of 30 years old. Now, after all of this has happened, if you were Joseph in his shoes, how would you feel about your family? I mean, for Joseph, his family really are part of the trigger for his journeys to Egypt. Yet it seems with these odds stacked against him, he's gone from the pit, literally, to the right hand of Pharaoh. All things considered, I wouldn't think it too wild a thought to assume that he's still carrying a little bit of bitterness, resentment, maybe even hatred towards those who rejected him, particularly his brothers who cast him out and sent him away. How would you respond if you saw them again? Service puts you into a position where an attitude of what I can do rather than what I can get is cultivated. It is there for you to think about others rather than yourself. And I think the reality of this approach means that as you give yourself to turning your attention to the needs of others, you are simultaneously addressing things within yourself. Something is getting trained and strengthened and nurtured and given a good dose of nutrition. Now, the time comes when the tables are turned. You know, Joseph is the second most powerful person in Egypt, and now it's his family who are desperately in need of food. The surrounding lands around Egypt, they're lacking, and they're in a season of famine. Egypt is not, and that is largely due to the administrative gifting of Joseph and God's favor upon him. Look, if you want to celebrate good administrators, you know, you look at Joseph and the way that he orchestrates the storing during the good season to feeding Egypt during the famine season. We can thank God for good administrators, eh? We've got a couple of them. In a time of famine, Egypt is thriving. And his brothers, they arrive in Egypt to request help. Now, Joseph does toy with them a little bit on their arrival, okay, which is probably, well, one, it's reasonably amusing, actually, when you read it, and somewhat actually understandable, but it's also intentional because he wants to draw something out of them, some recognition for the mess they have got themselves into. And it does pull out some of the guilt they're carrying for the way that they had treated Joseph in the past, not that they recognize this guy who they're speaking to at all. He's just the guy they've got to go to to get their food provisions. However, I don't think for one second within all of that, that 17-year-old Joseph deals with them in the same way that 37-year-old Joseph does. God has weathered Joseph in surface, weathered him in experience. And he now understands that all of these challenging circumstances have you have been used by God to prepare him in this role alongside Pharaoh. Through time and service, God has deepened his integrity, deepened his humility, deepened his love and compassion, deepened his mercy. He had learned where people had let him down, God had been faithful. 
Where his brothers had let him down, God had been faithful. Where Potiphar had let him down, God had been faithful. Where the cupbearer, who was supposed to give a thumbs up to Pharaoh over Joseph, he had let him down. But God had been faithful. Time, experience, and walking with God in service would grow Joseph's character to help him understand the type of man God had called him to be. That in his elevated status, he would remain humble. That in his opportunity to be unsparing to his brothers, he would show mercy. That in an opportunity to humiliate, he would show honor. The simple act of service, it shows character and it grows character. So it's something to bear in mind that when you are serving, particularly if you're doing something in challenging circumstances, <laughs> God's put you there for purpose and it's preparing you for good purpose. But service doesn't just do that. It does a little bit more. It doesn't just show and grow. It imitates. Service imitates character. You know, mums, they, they do tend to want the best for their children, yeah? Speaking to all the mums out there who do want that, okay? And <coughs> they do also do everything within their power to make sure that they, that they get the best out of life for them. There's a, there's a really... I'm not going to give you an, a personal example on that one because my mum will kill me, but... <laughs> there is quite a, a, an, a, an amusing moment which you can discover in, in chapter 20 of Matthew's Gospel and chapter 10 of Mark's Gospel. These two lads, right? James and John, they're brothers, both disciples of Jesus, and with mum pushing them forward, they approach Jesus to ask him a question. And I can, I can hear it. I can hear mum in the background giving them that shove and saying, ask him, go on. Do it. I raised you. I brought you into this world. The least you can do is ask. And if you don't, I will. So James and John, they approached Jesus, probably a little bit sheepishly, and they asked to reserve a seat at the right and left hand of the throne of Jesus to literally be his right and left hand man when he comes into his glory and takes his rightful place as king. Now, Jesus, he handles all of this pretty gracefully, gracefully. And it's quite amusing that actually also the disciples, the other disciples, they get the right hump with James and John. Which when I think about it, all I can imagine James and John saying, my response is, don't blame us. Mum told me to do it. <laughs> so Jesus handles it all gracefully, but takes the opportunity to, to at the same time address a heart attitude. And probably a cultural attitude. He addresses the question, what does greatness look like? And Jesus says, you know, greatness isn't sitting on a throne and exercising your authority over those around you. No, true greatness is coming off your throne and washing the feet of those around you. It's your willingness to be sacrificial for the benefit of others. It's your willingness to labor along one another and to put in the hard graft. If you want to be great in the eyes of your Savior and not in the eyes 
of the world. Commit yourselves to service. For this is why Jesus came, stepped away from his throne in heaven to be a servant on earth. In service, we imitate the king that we belong to, the one who came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. When we look at the life of Joseph, God is preparing him for a throne-like position. And the same can be said of people like David or Daniel or Moses. And we're not always thinking about people who actually become kings, but we're thinking about those people who end up carrying significant responsibility or a large amount of authority. In the Bible, with these characters, we see that there's actually a beautiful common ground shared between them. They are people whom God has prepared through service. And it's not just something God does with them, it's something they do in partnership with God. God does his part, but they have to do theirs. But why? Why service? Because it prepares them for a position of authority with a king-like character that God has himself. A character of service. It's how Jesus comes to us. It is what he models through the life that he lives, saying that success or greatness is not measured by what you have, but by what you do. And what you do is not chiefly concerned with yourself, but is lovingly concerned with the welfare of others. And what Jesus does with James and John and their mum and the rest of the disciples is share with them the heart attitude of God, that whatever responsibility you have, whatever authority you have been given, whatever scale that looks like, Devote yourself to service. If you're seeking for a throne, God will humble you. If you are seeking to serve, it's likely God will elevate you. However, in those places of elevation, God's call upon you is to imitate the one whom he has elevated above every living thing. His son. King Jesus, and his son is a king who serves. Let's look at how service is able to bless and build others. When we look at Joseph's story in uh, in Egypt, then it's centered around three particular environments, the household of Potiphar, the prison of Pharaoh, and the land of Egypt. And as we turn really our attention to each of those moments in Joseph's life, we will see how this combination of God's favor and Joseph's character and heart attitude towards serving brings about a blessing and building up of those around him. Starting with Potiphar's household, it says in the scripture that from the time that he made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in house and field. So he left all that he had in Joseph's charge, and because of him, he had no concern about anything. So it's important to recognize that through these verses, that the scope of what it is to serve, firstly, can range from a small act of service through to carrying large amounts of responsibility. Jesus didn't say, I came to serve in order to have as little responsibility as possible. No, Jesus sees the two going hand in hand. The service is intertwined with your level of responsibility, whatever that might be. The blessing that Joseph brings to Potiphar through his service is that Potiphar, he actually has no concern about anything. In fact, Scripture says all he has to worry about is making sure he got fed. Imagine the blessing of that, that you give responsibility to someone 
And their service is of such that you don't need to have any concern over it. I mean, that to me opens this like window, this lens into the, you know, the relationship that exists between God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That the Father has entrusted the Son with a mission, a task, an act of service. And such is the attitude and competence of the Son in that service that the Father can say, I've got no concerns about anything. As someone given themselves to service, especially if you've been entrusted with something, whether, whatever that might be, big task, small task, cooking dinner for the family, or ensuring the safekeeping of 40 children on a school trip, you know, whatever it is, wouldn't it be a wonderful aspiration that through your character, competence, and God's favor, that the blessing you provide to others is that they don't have to be concerned about anything? That's actually the kind of confidence I'd like if I'm going around yours to dinner, by the way. Okay, that I don't have to be concerned about anything. <laughs> in the prison, and not, by the way, you don't have to all invite me around to dinner. I'm just saying. <clears throat> in the prison, it's a very similar story. The scripture says, uh, and the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. I mean, to me, it looks like the, that Joseph's just really done the prison officer out of a job. I mean, he served that environment so well that the officer literally had no concern, didn't even have to pay attention. And I, I don't think he doesn't pay attention because of laziness. I'm just to say that. You know who he's working for, yeah? If something goes wrong, it's his head on a stick. Pharaoh will hold him responsible. I just think Joseph seem, you know, seem, is seen to be and proves to be trustworthy and good at his job. So the service of Joseph brings blessing. It releases Potiphar and the prison officer from the worry of that management responsibility. But it also builds up a level of confidence because of Joseph that doesn't impact him and his role doesn't just impact him in his role, but others potentially like him. There's an overflow. It kind of reminded me of the time when my wife, um, she used to work for an aerospace company. So my friend Steve uh, got, jo uh, got Joe, my wife, a job at, at PDQ Airspace. And um, really as a result of their service, the service that they gave, the character and the competence of what they delivered in that workplace the company adopted this policy of looking for other fishies to employ. By the way, fishies is code word for Christians. Okay, that's, that's what they used. They used to go to Joe and Steve and say, hey, do you know any other people like you? All of that, though, because they recognize the blessing that they brought. And they wanted to find others like them. I mean, that's a wonderful testament of what it is just to be a Christian in a workplace, isn't it? So from Potiphar's house to Pharaoh's prison, it will, of course, be of no surprise that when we look at Joseph's role over the whole of Egypt, we will see how his service blesses and builds. I, um, I particularly enjoyed this verse when it comes to the, you know, come, came to lo the logistics regarding how food would be distributed in Egypt during the famine. The scripture says in 41.55, Pharaoh said to all the Egyptians, go to Joseph. What he says, you do. 
And it's a wonderful display of trust and kind of reminds me of the family home environment, you know, those moments, you know, when you say, go see your mum, what she says you do. You know, even with our team here at New Life Community Church, there are many actually times when I get to say, as someone who is actually responsible for that, leading that team, hey, go and see this person, what they say you do. We do have great people who serve here that bless and build others and that there is a creation of trust through good character and good competence and a good dose of God's favor. Uh, there are people who are willing to labor alongside one another. We have that. We also want to grow in that because it overflows from our creator in the way that we give ourselves to service, in the way that we imitate, in the way that we give ourselves to service, that imitates God's nature. It blesses and builds and it causes multiplication. And of course, that is the case with Joseph because in his service in overseeing the administration of the nation, I love this as well, during a season of great fruitfulness and across a season of great famine, it doesn't actually just bring blessing and building to Egypt. That was Joseph's mandate to secure the future of Egypt. But it does more than that. It overflows to the nations around it. It pours out and it was able to bless and build others around it. And I think that's something key to bear in mind that as we commit ourselves to service here as God's family, good character, good competence, good work ethic, God's favor, that's, that's going to lead to an overflow of blessing and building up to those around us. Whether that's other church families or whether that's communities, it comes from the good of us committing to serve well within the context. The context that we're in and the family that we belong to. So service has a wonderful capability of blessing and building others. But finally and most importantly, if you want to complete the picture regarding that question of why service is probably very well worth mentioning, that service is pleasing to God. There's a, um, there's a lovely line from a song written by Nathan and Lou Fellingham, which goes like this. This is my worship. This is my worship. Living for your glory, O oh God. In all of my dealings, let me be pleasing. It is Jesus Christ who I serve. If we were to look at the common factor that we see alongside Joseph's service over Potiphar's household in, in the prison and across the land of Egypt, we would discover this phrase, the Lord was with Joseph. And that would be closely accompanied by this other word, favor. God was close to Joseph and his favor was upon him. Now, Joseph's rise to being the second most powerful person in Egypt was no free ticket from God. You know Joseph, he has two sons. <laughs> it's interesting if you know what your, <laughs> you know what your children's name means, okay? He names them Manasseh and Ephraim, which Manasseh means God has made me forget all my hardship and, and all my father's house. <laughs> Imagine Manasseh, how you feel about that? <laughs> and Ephraim means God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. God's favor is really a sign of his pleasure at the way Joseph handles himself in each scenario. His service, his attitude in times of hardship and in times of affliction. Certainly no Certainly no free ticket. And in turn, God causes Joseph to be blessed and to be built up by allowing him to forget the pain of his past 
and to be fruitful wherever he lands his feet. Can I invite the worship team? Should we stand together if we're able to? When we look to Jesus, God's pleasure in him is connected to the way he handles himself in hardship and affliction. In his service, in the laying down of himself for others, God elevates Jesus to receive the highest authority, the highest accolade, the highest honours to attribute to him the highest praise. And as one who is a greater example than what we find in Joseph, he, Jesus, sets the model of what it is to serve with a service that shows character, grows character and imitates character. A service that blesses and builds and a service that is pleasing to God. And Ephesians 5.1 calls us as his body, as his church, as sons and daughters, a part of his family, to be imitators of him. This one who gave himself to service and called us to do likewise. Because in that we display the character nature and attitude of God to fulfill those tasks faithfully, to be found trustworthy, respectful, and humble. And so in this type of service, you know, this type of service, it blesses those around you, but it overflows beyond you, to your neighbors, to your communities, to the nations. So as we come to apply this stuff in our lives, to put it into practice, as we remember that service shows character, grows character, and imitates character, as we remember that service blesses and builds, as we remember that service pleases God, I want to finish in the style of John F. Kennedy as we consider together how we aspire to be devoted disciples of Jesus and therefore devoted to this area of service. In remembrance, that service turns our eyes away from ourselves and looks to the good of others, knowing that as we do that, in turn, it does us good as well, I would say to you, consider this. Ask not what your God can do for you. Ask what you can do for your God. Ask not what your church can do for you. Ask what you can do for your church. And ask not what your community can do for you. Ask what you can do for your community. And so, Father, I would pray, Lord God, that in our aspiration to be those who are wholeheartedly committed to being devoted to you, you would help us in this area of being devoted to service. And Lord, we know that it's going to show character at times and that's going to be a good thing and sometimes it'll be a bad thing. And we just ask, Lord, keep changing us, Lord, because actually we know that, Father, service also grows character. It brings transformation. And Lord Jesus, we want to be ones who imitate you as the king who came to serve. 
And so may our hearts and our, our attention, our gaze, Lord, be turned not to that attitude of what can I get, but an attitude of what can I do. Ask not what your God can do for you. Ask what you can do for your God. Thank you for your word, Lord, in Jesus' name.